let's record a podcast. Welcome to The Symmetry Podcast, a home for conversations about faith and humanity that are designed to help people grow. My name is Ben Laboot. And I'm Brad Collins. And we're your co-hosts for the show. So Ben, it's been a hot minute since we've recorded a podcast, and I'm pretty excited to talk about our topic today. But we're talking about personality today, and I think my idea for this conversation started when you told me about taking an online personality test, I think at the request of a, of a girl that you were interested in. <laughs> no, close, but not exactly. Uh, just one, one of my friends at work, and actually at the time I was still a full-time student, so I showed up about once every three months or so, so I didn't know her real well. And so what she claimed was she, although we didn't know each other too well, could guess what type of person I was. And I said, I, I don't know if you would be right or wrong. I've not done this. So I sat down, took the test, then I was discussing it with you, and turns out you had done the same thing only about a month or two prior. So I, I've taken a couple of Myers-Briggs instruments in the past. I took a very official one uh, for graduate school, and I also took an unofficial one online. And I suppose these tests are somewhat consistent or have good internal validity, as scientific people, I think, would say, uh, because I got the same personality type from taking both of those tests. And uh, for Myers-Briggs people out there, I am an ENFJ. Uh, there's various celebrities associated potentially with each different one. Um, I think Oprah Winfrey is an ENFJ. Maybe I just read that on some random Myers-Briggs site, but I like to think Oprah and I have the same personality. <laughs> and reading through the description, I thought, wow, this thing knows me. This thing absolutely knows me. I found a very entertaining one-line summary of my Myers-Briggs type, which was a smooth-talking persuader. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's way better than my one line. What was yours? Uh, the architect, I think. The only other one I've seen for my personality was uh, the protagonist, which I guess is a kind of a cool thought. So what did you learn about yourself when you took the Myers-Briggs? I was kind of shocked at how spot on it got me. I think like most people, I like to think I'm special. You can't group me in a box, but it spit me out as an INTJ. So that's also fun, I think, because only about 2% of people are. But then, then you could read through about yourself, and it tells you, okay, this is what this type of person is. I kind of forget the specifics, but I was just mind-boggled of, wow, that really... That sums me up well, and it'll talk about all sorts of things. Here's how you treat work. Here's how you treat re relationships. Here's things that are important to you. And I re remember reading through, and it's talking about the INTJ type, and it's saying things like, you really don't respect rules a lot. Like, rules get in the way. If you can do it better or work outside of them, you're just going to do it your way because it makes sense to you. It's more efficient things like that and I thought yeah that's pretty true <laughs> uh, and like most people that know me will say that yeah I'm not a rule breaker per se but I just think they get get in the way and I can do it better and Myers-Briggs said that's something that I would be like not only did I read my my personality type but when you told me what yours was I read about you as well and I thought whoa 
I think this thing knows Ben. And then <laughs> I, I wondered if there was a pattern among people I knew who I ended up being very good friends with. And it turned out like three out of my really good friends were all INTJs. So apparently, at least me, it may not be my personality type, but I seem to get along with you people. So I really like that. I, I, I think there's some, something to that where different sorts of people will line up with, with each other. And maybe that's why we're doing a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> that is very possible. So I just, I thought I'd throw out a couple of uh, disclaimers. First of all, so you and I are both alumni of the University of Florida, which is primarily in Gainesville, Florida. And it turns out that the Myers-Briggs Foundation is also in Gainesville, Florida. However, we have no official or unofficial affiliation. But also, I just wanted to give a little background on personality just for fun. So the E and the I both refer to a person's favorite world. So that's the inner world for introverts or the external world for extroverts. The S or the N refers to information. And that means, do you like to sense information or do you like to use your intuition? The T or F, and so that would be thinking or feeling. And that just has to do with how you make decisions. And then the last pair of letters, J or P, stands for judging or perceiving. And that has to do with the structure. That's just my quick 30 second background on, on personality. By the way, remember those videos you were talking about the th- three-minute philosophy back in the day? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. That, that little <laughs> brief brief breakdown of Myers-Briggs kind of reminded me of, of three-minute philosophy. So <laughs> if those are still on YouTube, I highly recommend checking those out. They are good, especially if you have to learn about all these obscure branches of ph- ph- philosophy or specific people. So back to Myers-Briggs, each person gets four letters for example, um, INTJ, those are my four. And there's two choices for each slot. So if you write out all these, there are 16 possible types, according to Myers-Briggs. So go back to my friend at work. She's saying she could guess what kind of person I am uh, based on Myers-Briggs. I guess not like a good or bad person. But she could guess my, uh, my per- per- personality type. And that sounds like a very tough thing to do, but what I love about this is it's really not, right? Because you only need to make four choices that are binary. So if I walk up to you and I think I know a little bit about you, I could say, are you thinking or feeling? And bam, that gives me one choice, narrows it down by half. And actually my friend who, maybe she was a good people person, I at the time though would claim we weren't that great of friends, just we didn't know each other super well. She guessed me, I think three out of the four letters which is pretty impressive and I think speaks to Myers-Briggs. Wow, that's not bad at all. I actually think that's a really interesting way to look at how reasonable it is that someone could guess. You know, I I had a friend a few years ago who had a very long note in the Notes app on her iPhone that had her either confirmed or supposed Myers-Briggs types of pretty much everyone she knew. And to me, I thought, wow, people must be very, very familiar with this personality tool to be able to do that for all of their friends. Because it seems like even 16 personalities almost seems like an overwhelming amount of choices if I had to immediately pick from the 16. However, 
taking that mathematical stepwise approach of choosing one out of each two and doing that four times, that's actually not as overwhelming as it sounds. So we've talked a little bit about personality, which is an inherently social thing, but we're also very much a podcast about faith. And, you know, I think we had a, an informal conversation about personality and about faith and about God recently. So really the question that we kind of asked at that time was, does God have personality? Does he have a personality? For example, if, if the divine took a Myers-Briggs test, what four letters would, would he come up as or she or it come up as? And, you know, you and I talked a little bit about the general way people see God, either as reserved or distant, maybe soft, maybe harsh, maybe moody or mercurial. But when, when you and I were discussing this ancient book of Job, we thought to ourselves, is God sassy? <laughs> Which we sort of ended up saying, yeah, well, at least here in this text, <laughs> you know, the way he's talking to this one person, he's being super sassy. But I had never in my life heard anyone describe God as being sassy or anything close to that. In this one book, book that we'll look at later, he, he definitely is. It kind of sounds almost heretical, at least in the soft sense of that word, to say God is sassy. Because in some ways, it, sassy has almost a negative connotation. So I looked up sassy in the Apple Dictionary, and the definition is lively, bold, and full of spirit. And apparently the origin of the word comes from a variant of saucy. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, saucy. I I think those three words, so what was it? Lively, bold, full of spirit. I think people would talk about God in all three of those ways. I agree. But just something about the word sassy. So I don't know, we're not trying to be disrespectful, but just trying to say we think God is maybe more than meets the eye. If God took a Myers-Briggs test... What do you think he would be? Remember, it's it's easy. It's not one of 16, but it's just four binary choices. I think God would be a, an E-I-S-N-T-F-J-P. Is that allowed? Yeah, that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think in other words, the divine is such a expansive concept and being that there are aspects of every personality type there. Well, when we talked about this the first time, and I was trying to think of how God is, oh, God is a- a- extroverted. But then for for as many times as I could think of him acting that way, I could say, well, there was this one time God was acting in- introverted. And then I kept coming up with more and more ways and that was basically the sense of all of it. Anytime you could point out, oh, God acts like this, 
I could say, well, what about that one time or those lots of times where he wasn't? So I think you're right to say God sort of, he em embodies all personality types. Yeah, when there's an exception to every rule of personality, even when we take examples from Christian scriptures about what God is like, that implies that maybe the rule we were using, which is what Myers-Briggs uses, which is people tend to be a cluster of four binary choices in terms of personality, it's possible that in a higher way, God kind of supersedes that conception of personality. And in my opinion, that is a very compelling concept when thinking about, you know, does God have a personality? I have a disclaimer thought. We, we focused on Myers-Briggs today, but there's a lot of personality tools out there. The military uses several different personality tools. Uh, student affairs at universities also use different personality tools. I think uh, you and I both had a junior reserve officer training corps, JROTC, tool called Winning Colors that we used in high school. Um, so there's a lot of different personality types out there and tests and things like that. And even things like horoscopes that people read in newspapers based on ast astrological principles. So all these things, when you read them, you know, maybe they're true, but I just want to throw out there that there's a phenomenon called the Barnum effect, also called the Forer effect. And it's this psychological thing that happens where you read something that you want to be true, for example, your personality type or a horoscope, and all you notice are the things that are consistent with you, and you kind of discount the things that aren't. And you go, wow, this personality thing is so accurate, but mentally you've discounted all of the data that conflict with that conclusion. And I guess that's a form of confirmation bias. And so I just thought that was an interesting thing I wanted to throw out there for nerdy people. When we took those tests a while back, it prompted a lot of questions and a lot of good thoughts. So, Ben, you like to talk about Job. I do. Job is a fantastic person. <laughs> so my question is, what do you like to talk about with Job? There's a book in the, the Bible. It's called The Book of Job. Fun fact, it's one of the oldest texts that we know about. So the, the content, we're not really sure when it takes place, but as far as when it was physically written pen to paper, it's probably the oldest book in the Bible. The book of Job starts out with this man named Job, and he gets his world overturned. Almost all at once, he goes from being a rich man with wife and kids and land and cattle and all these things to he loses all of it. He even gets sick, so he's essentially near death, poor, impoverished, and he has no idea why. When you read the book, there's this, a, a game or, or a bet going on between uh, God and Satan up, up, up in heaven. Job's world gets overturned, and he does not know why. And that's the very start of the book, chapter one. What happens then is some of his friends come over and they talk to him. And like any good friend, they're trying to help him cope. So that's 
most of the book. Job's in a bad spot. His friends come console him. And they spend 36-some chapters talking about how God is. Like, we know what God is like. Here's how he is. Let's explain him for you. And what's fascinating about this book (laughs) is God is quiet the whole time. If I heard people talking about me, I would be tempted to want to step in and say something, especially when they're saying wrong things. Oh, this is what Ben is like. Ben does this. And if if that's wrong, I want to step in and say no. God holds his tongue up until chapter 38. And then, boom. So, (laughs) here's the very first thing God says to Job. Gird up your loins like a man. Isn't that (laughs) Gird up your loins like a man. So, God comes out of nowhere and he's, okay, you've been talking. Now it's my turn to talk. And he starts going at Job with sassy statement after sassy statement. Next thing he says after gird up your loins. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. He's trying to point out to Job that you don't understand who I am. You don't know the things I know. After two full chapters of this, Job replies back. (laughs) He says, I've spoken once. I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And he's saying, okay, I get it. I said some things. I should not have said them. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop talking now. And then God goes on. (laughs) So God basically goes on for another two chapters. He goes, okay, you know, who could take the beast of the sea and hook him with a fish hook? It's like, you can't. And I love one thing God says. Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. And Job replies a final time. He says, I've said what I did not know, things too wonderful for me, which I did not understand. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I have a couple of serious thoughts and a couple of potentially humorous thoughts. First of all, this might be TMI, but I've never been in a situation where my loins have needed girding up. Like, <laughs> like they would be in danger if I didn't. Second, less serious thought is it reminds me of when a parent, not saying my parents ever said this, but it reminds me of when a parent tells their child, especially a mother, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. <laughs> that's that's kind of what this sounds like to me a little bit. But on a more serious note, there are a lot of interpretations out there. There's, you know, probably only one or a few reasonable meanings, but there's a lot of interpretations and certainly a lot of takeaways that one could take. And I think one of the most common takeaways from the book of Job is, you know, there's this behind the scenes answer to pain in your life i don't get that from that at all god never tells him why job does not get that god never says here's why bad things happen to you 
he just says you don't understand everything. It sounds like one of the takeaways is sometimes there isn't an answer. When God responds to Job, is that how you would expect God to respond to someone in his place? I don't think that's what I was expecting at all. You know, there is the takeaway of how to think about pain, how to think about suffering in life or in life as a as a Christian, but I'm most compelled, actually, by God's personality in this story. It's fascinating to me that even the very, very first thing God says to Job out of the whirlwind, which is, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That is a seriously sassy, it's like, who's this guy? That's probably one of the sassiest, at least I read that into, I don't know if that's the exact tone <laughs> that got used, but I just read, wow. And then immediately after that, it's, dude, gird up your loins. I will question yeah. you. So, you know, I thought I had sassy friends in med school, and then here comes God in the middle of this this ancient dude's pain, and he's like, actually, I got some questions for you and they're all pretty much rhetorical questions i don't even hear it in a in an angry way as much as i hear it in a sassy way as a rhetorical device to make a point and you know i i don't have a great takeaway on the deep theological question of suffering or theodicy or any of that really but i do take away that this this divine being has a little sassy streak and I don't know, I, I kind of like that. I do too. It's the way that God responds that stood out to me because my thought was, this isn't the God that I'm used to just because it's a, a sense of God that people don't talk about. The Bible has pictures of a God of elation and a God of wrath, a God of love and a God that calls his unfaithful people whores, of a God who laughs and a God who cries, a God who feasts and a God who withdraws to be alone. And so for every rule of, oh, it seems like God is a God of joy, or oh, maybe God is actually a God of wrath, or maybe God is actually a God of love, or maybe God is a God who calls people out. Some of these seemingly false dichotomies, it's probably not an either, or it's probably a both and. and I think in the same way that coaches or parents that are wise seem to realize that different kids, different players require different methods or different approaches to coaching, I think people need that too. If you had a God, God that you could put into a box, that God would be worthless. So if you have a God and he's not sassy, and that's God in your box, and then I go through a sassy God at you and it bursts your box. If there's a God that we can't put into a box, should we put people into a box? Science would say that human beings have a tendency to categorize people, places, things. Basically, any noun can be categorized. And that's actually useful in a lot of ways because it's almost like a mental shortcut that if you have a sample of people that you mentally put in a box, say nerdy engineers 
or it was classic like jocks nerds whatever i don't know yeah high school drama so stereotypes are a good example it's almost like a heuristic where you have this mental shortcut of oh this person kind of fits my mental model of nerd so i will put them in that box and then that might save me thinking time in understanding them or relating to them and so in some ways it's really helpful to have categories or to have boxes at the same time I, I think it's foolish to be frustrated when people flout the social norms imposed on them by being in a you know social construct social construct that's a box so in the same way that God is not going to fit into any box you know saying that God is sassy or that Jesus is sneaky or any sort of thing that sounds heretical on the face of it, but stopping to think about it might be more true than it seems at first. All of those things imply that maybe we just shouldn't have such rigid boxes for God and that we probably shouldn't just put people in boxes either. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Symmetry Podcast. If you've had a good time with us, please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcasts app, or Podbean. You can also find us online at thesymmetrypodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesymmetrypodcast. And until next time, much joy to you.